Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, book by book, chapter by chapter. And this has been a year in the works, but what timing we find this book before us here. We've got the book of Revelation. This is the Lord's revelation to the Apostle John, getting started today, chapter one. We've been preparing for this in many ways uh, throughout the whole year. This was the plan all along. We started this year uh, back in last May, reading the Gospel of John. And so then we looked at a bunch of different books. Uh, We kind of got a little bit of sample of everything, a little bit of Moses, a little bit of the former prophets, latter prophets, the writings, minor prophets, Uh, some stuff in the New Testament, some of John's letters. And so with all this background, especially with the apocalyptic stuff that we read in Daniel and Zechariah, we're in a good position now to read Revelation. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's crazy because that that was the plan, right? That, That was set back in motion back in May. But here we are reading Revelation at a time like this when people are thinking about revelation and uh you know this sort of end of the world tribulation plague stuff so what timing is this about like the destruction and a violent uh end and death uh, to the world right it's something mysterious and uh very ominous in the future or is this maybe more of a message of comfort and things that have already happened in the past or maybe a little bit of both we're going to take a look at a lot of those things as we go through this this month um, and next month. But today, getting started just with chapter one, the beginning of the vision, John's in the spirit on the Lord's day. What exactly does that mean? He has a vision, and the vision is a glorious one of a, of a figure, right, with, with white hair and eyes like fire and feet like bronze and the voice of rushing waters and stars and what's going on here. And there's a sword in his mouth. Today helping us unpack this amazing imagery we have. We have our regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair, pastor of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Good morning, brother. How are you in the midst of everything? And so glad that you're able to join us, um, everything going on. Good morning. Uh, I, I, we're hard-pressed, but not crushed. We're yeah, that's uh, right. Continuing, continuing to fearlessly witness to the Lord. And they're doing well, great. And, and in many ways, it's, uh, I mean, just, you know, what what need we have for the gospel in times such as these. So in many ways, you know, it's just, we're just doing what's all, all the more necessary and essential, exactly. I might say. Exactly. And so, so you know, it's just, it, we. I just did a study on, on this book um, last year, so oh, okay. it's kind of, you know, I mean, so I'm a little bit fresh with it in uh, very good. reading all of the different books. Very, very good. Very good. Yeah. And um, it, it is, it is one of those books that, well, I mean, for many reasons, it, it makes sense to, to read from it regularly. And unfortunately, a lot of people are kind of, you know, put off by it and like, oh, well, I don't even know what to do with Revelation. Like, what what's going on here? You know, like, how do I make sense of this? There's so many different interpretations. And so that can scare people off or, you know, because we, we kind of assume it's about scary stuff. Um, right. But but really, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to to read this regularly. I mean, and there are portions of it that are regularly used in our liturgy and in Scripture, right? I mean, this is not a book to be afraid of. Right, exactly. It's, it's, it's a book to comfort 
God's people. It's it's directed to them to encourage them to to bear up under persecution or any other adversity or tribulation and to and to um look forward to Christ's kingdom which of course has already begun. Amen. Amen. That's exactly what the church is, right? All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um I do hope that today, if we do have some people listening live, you know, perhaps your regular schedule has been disrupted and you find yourself, uh, you know, able to listen live uh, during this time. Well, it's a great opportunity. You can give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or you can send an email to uh, kfuo at kfuo.org. If you are in St. Louis, uh, for right now, it will work still, 314-821-0850. Uh, I'll let you guys know if we need to switch to only emails because of everything going on. But let's go ahead and turn to the text. And as we do so, brother, would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening and uh, everyone in the midst of all this? Yes. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, you are the living one who died and rose from the dead to be the firstborn from the dead for all humanity. You hold the keys of death and Hades. Bless us as we joyfully take to heart your first beatitude of this final book of your precious holy scriptures and read it aloud for the blessedness of those who hear. Strengthen us in our faith in and love for you and in our love for one another. We wait longingly and patiently for your return, for you said, See, I am coming quickly. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So looking here at chapter one, let's just go ahead and read. I want to read this introduction or uh, the ESV helpfully calls it the prologue in the first three verses, Um, Mm -hmm. because there there are kind of like multiple introductions in some ways to this this book. Um, And they're helpful because they kind of right off the bat uh, clarify a lot of misconceptions about what we're looking at here. Um, so let's just read the first three verses and kind of talk about like, so what exactly is this before us? So here's chapter one, verses one through three. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So, uh, yes, as you as you said, there is that beatitude, that that blessing for reading it out loud. And so, you know, there really, I just keep telling people read, read this out loud. It's um it's a good thing. Hey, it's commended to you right here and. Um, in this book itself. But what is this book, right? Um, It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which this is not how a lot of people think of it even, but those are literally the first uh, words of the book. A lot of people want to say revelations, but uh, I was told when I started seminary uh, 30 years ago or 40 years ago that... uh, (laughs) that if you said revelations, you would be kicked out of seminary. 
<laughs> revelation. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things where people kind of just, its I think you just kind of like subconsciously think to yourself, like Bible book names are just like plural, right? So you just go with oh, like yeah. judges, right? You go, you say like you yep. say judges and kings and chronicles or Corinthians, Philippians, Galatians, Revelations, right? Um, yep. Like it's, it's like, it's just kind of one of those things, but it, it's really important to see how it's not like those um, titles. It's more like, you know, um, Exodus, right? Or like, yeah. like Genesis, where, where it's a, it's a big singular thing. Um, and, and really also too, right? Getting the straight that it, it's not just kind of like a, a, a series of, of visions that a guy had, right? Specifically, right. Uh, this is a revelation um that's from jesus christ i mean and then that's and that's pretty interesting here because it does say in, in greek we, we kind of added the word the but i mean it's jesus christ's revelation the one that god gave to jesus christ to show us i mean that's right. th that's a really interesting way of talking about it exactly and um uh it, it's in this particular case. It's it's not only from him, but also about him. That uh, it. Yeah. Um, one of my teachers, uh, Dr. Louis Brighton, he wrote the commentary in the Concordia Commentary series. He says that it's it's both a subjective and an objective genitive, which means that it's a uh, unveiling or revelatory unveiling of Jesus Christ. Also. Uh, he is the author of it as well. He is the one that does the unveiling, but of course, ultimately, it comes from God the Father, as yeah. as it says here. And you, right. And this, right? Yeah, no. Go ahead. And in this book, you know, it's interesting. It, it really of of all of the books of the New Testament, it is probably one of the most powerful in witnessing to the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ and into, you know, the Holy Trinity too. Although there are some unusual ways in which that is expressed or or shown, uh, right. but uh, it it's um, uh, basically a, an a, a revelation or uh, a re revelatory apocalypse of Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh, okay, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. A couple of really good points there, right? That one, you know, you, you do just see, I mean, th this is, you know, Jesus Christ in all his glory, where it's really clear, as you were saying, uh, that he thank is you. God, that he is of the Trinity, right? And yes. and you get this kind of unadulterated picture of him. I mean, this is like what you had a glimpse of in the Gospels, right? Where, you know, it, it, the moment of the transfiguration or, you know, after the resurrection and at the ascension, right? Where you kind of got a glimpse of it in the Gospels. Well, but th that's how Jesus is the entire time through in this book, right? So, yes. I mean, it is it is just unique for that. And um, consequently, it's not really any surprise that this um just winds up so frequently, really, like in our our liturgy and our art, and like in the ways that we allude to it, left and right. You know, I mean, it's just the the book really. It's kind of always with us, even when we're not trying to read it. It's um, it's just kind of like so deeply woven, tightly woven into our our tradition. And uh, part of that, as you were saying, is understanding this book as as you said, an apocalypse. See, now, and that's very interesting because I think that people hear apocalypse and uh, 
well, I suppose they either think of a certain comic book character because they're into that, uh, mm-hmm. or they're thinking of like this kind of end of the world scenario, right? Apocalypse, like, oh no, like, and you, and we have the word like post-apocalyptic, right? Um, as a, as a whole genre of like kind of d- disaster movies and stuff like that. But is that what apocalypse means? Like what's, what's going on here? No, it, it, it means um, a, a unveiling, you know, taking, taking aside the veil. Like the Lord, when he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, he uh, showed himself in his full glory. But, of course, the glory, his, the glory of his divine nature being shown through his human nature, his face shone like the sun, his garments became uh, dazzling white as no launderer on earth could, could launder them. And, and, and it's kind of like, and, and which is really what uh, the church is all about, to reveal to the world Jesus Christ as who, right. as who he is. And, um, you know, it's interesting that um, a lot of times when people look at uh, um, Revelation, even Luther had this idea, well, there isn't much in there about uh, Jesus saving us or redeeming us. What? Uh, you know, you look at this first chapter, uh, you, you see you see a definite mention of his, his sufferings and death and, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that he is the redeemer as well. But this, the purpose of this is to show who's in charge of the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, is it, is it sinful man or is it Satan and his uh, hosts or is it uh, the Lord Jesus Christ? And I think uh, that's the whole purpose of this, to provide, you know, encouragement to God's people. Exactly. So as we've seen, because we, we've looked at apocalyptic literature already, we, we saw some apocalyptic stuff in the book of Isaiah. Um, we saw a lot of it not long ago when we were just looking at Zechariah. We saw yeah. a good chunk of it in Daniel. Um, it's it's that unveiling. And that really is, I think, the most like helpful way of looking at it. This is this moment where Jesus Christ is tearing away the veil, and we are seeing what's going on from now a spiritual perspective we see him from a spiritual perspective um but you know as to your point about you know objective uh, genitive right but we also yeah. see everything else that's going on i mean we see the church from a spiritual perspective we see the rulers of the kings of the earth from a spiritual perspective right i mean we see all yeah. of this stuff so all this stuff is getting unveiled and we're getting the spiritual perspective the spiritual take on all the happenings, right? And, and yes, in the beginning here, um, it is saying that it's about, you know, I mean, the, the time is near, right? Or uh, to make known, you know, what does it say there, right? Um, what the things that must soon take place. So there is a future orientation, right? But the thing that we, we can't get mixed up about, it's not as if everything in this letter is what's going to happen soon or what's in the future, but rather because God unveils everything that's going on now and the things that have gone on in the past, well, now that you have that spiritual perspective, now you can understand what is to come. See, and and so I, I think that's just like, it's so important to understand that unveiling, to understand it as you have to understand what has been happening in order to understand then what also, yes, must come. But like most of the book, I feel like, is actually about past and present. 
And, and, and you know, St. Paul in Second uh, Corinthians 5, which is my favorite uh, chapter of the New Testament, he says, now, from now on, we don't regard anyone from a worldly point of view, though we once right. regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. You know, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, you know, and so it's a it, it is the the uh, us as new creations of God taking a look at what God has to show us uh, of his right. of what he's up to. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, yeah. What he's I like that. Yeah, like what he's up to. So we see what what God is up to, what he has been up to, and, and that makes us understand that what's what's to come here. So. All right. So we. And, one, one last thing, I guess. So we, we have this idea. So God gives this revelation to Jesus Christ, which we're going to see um, later how that works out a little bit. Um, and then and then Jesus Christ, and this is the same idea too, right? The way that John talked in the gospel that like Jesus himself would say, our Lord, he would say, you know, I have been sent, right? Or, you know, I'm, I'm just, you mm-hmm. know, uh, speaking. That's a very, what, what... very strong, uh, yes. uh, you know, continuing theme in the gospel of John. And, right. and 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 a lot of people say, well, Revelation is not like the gospel. Oh, yes, it is. I think, uh, oh, you, yeah. you know, especially where he says, you know, it, it is no one knows. Jesus witnesses this to Nicodemus. Nobody knows but him who comes down from heaven. You know, and then and mm-hmm. then there are some texts that have who is in heaven. You know, he's that that's the uh, a thing. Our Lord is both God and man at the same time, and and uh, so we say that. That he is also present with the Father, and here's you know, for, right from the Father himself, uh, his word and his and his um, what he wants to reveal to his people. And and you know, like if you look in where uh, Jesus with the apostles, he says, you know, I I have I have told them what you've told me to tell them. You know, that's in his high priestly prayer of John 17. Right. And exactly. so here you go. That's that's what's going on here. Right. Yeah, it really it really is the same dynamic as you were saying. There's there's a ton of similarities with the Gospel of John. Um it, it really is it is super profound. Um and just the the way that you see that with that idea of, you know, this this is Jesus as as the messenger of God who has been sent to to do this, right? And also not not just to, you know, tell us things about the future like it's like a crystal ball or something like that, right? But it's just right. like uh, or to satisfy our curiosity, but as again, like just in the same way of the gospel, right? You know, our Lord was saying all these things um, so that people would change the way they're living now, right? I mean, it, it's yeah, it's about the future, but I mean that really means it's about the present, um, you know, so that you would have, you know, like we were saying, comfort in the present, or you know, that we would repent in the present, right? I mean, like right. so many, um, you know, I mean, just or just I mean, already in verse three, right? It's like saying like, okay, here's this revelation about what's to come. Um, so that you read it aloud and keep, right? I mean, that's obey, right? Keep what yes. is written in yes. it, right? So it, it's it's about the present um, and also the past in, in very, very important ways. Um, also, besides the Lord Jesus as the messenger, right? He made it known by sending his angel to right. his servant, John, which of course uh, is interesting because, we, I mean, we know the word there, it just it just means messenger also, um, but there, but there is going to be an interpreter angel who's going to be hanging out with John during this this series of visions here, um, much in the same way that we had in Zechariah um, or or even in Daniel, where you have that interpreter angel, um, like I guess what, what's the term like uh, not like motif, but like I mean it's like a kind of literary device, um, but right. it's also it just works it, in the vision, but. 
be of, of an apocalyptic, uh, you know, an apocalyptic yeah. literature is is, right. is replete with that. The um, uh, what what is also here is it, one of the one of the challenges as, of Revelation is the fact that it doesn't do a lot of explaining. When uh, now there is some explaining, yeah. but I mean of of as a mention of all of the other apocalyptic literature, not only the scriptural apocalyptic literature, but there's a lot of what is called pseudepigraphical uh, right. apocalyptic literature, which is not the Word of God. It, it's just fanciful. But there's more explanation in them. There's less explanation here. And so it's a challenge as as we look at it. Yeah, right. Very, very good. And well, yeah, and we'll and we'll get there. We won't see the interpreter angel um, for a little a little bit yet. But right. let's go ahead and press on and take a look here at kind of, in some ways, the second introduction here, which is which is pretty striking here because this isn't really like an epistle, you know, like this isn't like a letter like the letters of Paul or anything like that. It is right. very much this apocalyptic. But the introduction here, this uh, this greeting that you get next very much is actually like the letters. In fact, in many ways, almost most like the greetings, introductions to the letters of Paul, which is right. kind of noteworthy for several reasons. But let's go ahead and read it here. So here's verses 4 through 8. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. you find it hard to like uh not just say like amen when someone reads that and like like you just expect that someone's gonna like you know there's a response or like an, an organ should start playing right i mean it's a right. it's striking just how like these all these bits here they sound so much like lit liturgy right i mean that and i think that maybe is the one of the things that stands out that the, the greeting sounds a lot like paul like you know grace to you and peace right but um i mean just the way it the way it talks it's so it's so liturgical, right? It, it sounds so much like like worship, like something that's said in church. Um, and we're going to see that, you know, coming up on the mention of the Lord's Day, right? But I mean, that is that is right. striking. It just it sounds so like church, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, this uh, the the uh, in our worship and our liturgy is so much influenced by this book. I mean, uh, in fact, you know, there's there's so much that that we have taken, and, and it, it's sort of like um, just part of the warp and woof, or the weaving of our hymns and our liturgy and our worship of God. Because because in a sense, uh, later on, of course, we will get a right. vision of uh, worship in heaven. Right. Of course, whether whether one takes it literally, you know, I mean, it, it's a vision. It's it, it you sure. know, the Lord is there's a, what he points out too is 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 that it does it by signs. Um, you know, it, it says it's it's signified, 
to them, which God gave him to show. I think the in, ver, in verse one, it, it, the word is uh, re, involves the signs that are being utilized for God to show His people His His will. Right. Well, I, I think you're right that it's um, you know, it has influence. But yeah, I think on the other end too, I, I'm sort of thinking that this is meant to be familiar language to the seven churches that are in Asia. That you know, it, it's almost for them. It's like, hey, look hear this vision of what's going on in heaven, guys, isn't that interesting? It's a lot like what you have going on in your worship right now. Right. Um, I think there's a couple different directions here, but let's talk more about that in just a second. Taking a break real quick, everybody looking at Revelation chapter one here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233, 800-843-5233. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson with an invitation for your LCMS congregation or organization to become a Church of the Week for a gift of just $595. If you would like, you can split that into monthly gift payments. Also, if you commit to be a Church of the Week between now and Easter, in addition to 35 30-second announcements and your pastor or leader being on one of our programs, we will give you, for your pastor, a beautifully bound Luther's Small and Large Catechisms, compliments of Worldwide KFUO and Concordia publishing house in St. Louis. This small and compact volume has Luther's seal on the front. The pages are gold edged and the inside print is plenty large even for an older person like myself. So contact me to schedule your week. You provide the information for the 30 second spots and we'll produce them for you. Our thanks to CPH for partnering with us. Call 314-996-1520 to schedule your week today. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Revelation chapter 1. We just read verses 4 through 8, um, and those words that are just so memorable and so much a part of our liturgy and so much of our hymns, right, and even contemporary uh, songs that are written, you know, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We're joined today by Pastor David Boisclair, Pastor of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Uh, I want to make sure, again, to invite anyone listening live, you may call in or send an email. Um, again, the 1-800 is 1-800-730-2727, or the email kfuo at kfuo.org. Also want to give a shout out to our underwriters. Thank you for your support, everybody at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation their website, lhfmissions.org. 
All right, so turning back to the text, um, we were just talking about, yeah, this language, it's, it's so much like church, it's so much like Paul, right? I mean, just, I mean, gr- grace to you and peace, right? Right, um, right. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff. Which is like that, a common epistolary uh, greeting, you know, so it's uh, when the word grace means hi, or greeting. Well, yeah, and, you know. And the yeah. word peace, of course, is like shalom, or well, arene is in, in the Greek, but, but uh, may all good be to you. And, and so, in a yeah. sense, but then infused into these common ways in which a, a letter was written in the first century is, is right. all of our blessed knowledge of Christ and what he means to us. You know, that's the neat thing right. about epistolary uh, greetings. Well, and it's interesting you, know, you, you mentioned that, right? Because, um, cause, yeah, there there is a common kind of just you know high kind of you know with with with, yeah. the, with the grace word. James uses it in in his letter where he, where he uses it in standard Greek. It's kidding, and here what's interesting, right, is it's not kidding, it's kadis, which people have said that like, oh well, this is kind of like a like kind of a well, this is sort of a particular Paul thing, right? This is very particular of Paul, like you know, it's kind of his little like twist on this, right? Um, right. To combine it, to combine like a form, well, a form anyway, of the traditional Greek greeting, and then the traditional Semitic one, like you were saying, just peace, right? But then to change the form even, and to not make it kind of like greetings, but literally grace. Um, but here it's it's word for word the same um, as what Paul uses. So, I mean, I feel like right. what, what this speaks to anyway is that maybe it wasn't like a particularly like Paul thing, but like a particularly like Christian thing. Um, and right. that this was actually like what was used by a lot of Christians. Cause like you see this language, right? Um, I mean, just it's so much like, uh, you know, the firstborn of the dead, right? Like that, that phrase, which, I mean, we have to talk a little bit about at some point here. Um, but I mean, that's pretty much uh, what you have in Colossians chapter one, the firstborn from the dead, or even in first Corinthians 15, right? Like the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Um, yep. and, and just, you know, I mean, so much of this, like a uh, kingdom, uh, priests, I mean, you got this stuff in, you know, first Peter, right. Um, you, you got this stuff, um, in Paul, uh, so much of the language here, it seems like it's, it's the language that all the church was using even at the very beginning. Exactly. And you mentioned earlier that that there that is sort of like a, a number of openings in this uh, chapter. You know, in other words, uh, introductions to to the yeah. um, body of the text. Uh, it's because you have, you know, well, Richard Baucom in his book, The Climax of Prophecy, where he says that, uh, you know, Revelation is the climax of prophecy. He says that, in a sense, it's kind of like ties into the, the, the three different genres that this book is. It's a prophecy, and it's apocalyptic literature, and it is a circular letter. Uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that's that's probably possibly the reason why you have these different introductions. Uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned about how the, the wording here pervades our worship and our liturgy. The, the word pantokrator is a Greek word for almighty. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the mm-hmm. creed, you know, I believe in right. God, the Father Almighty, creator or maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus yep. Christ, his only son, our Lord, and so on. 
Yeah, no, that that's yeah, I know. I was uh, I was giving a presentation recently, and I, I kept saying like, it's funny that it sounds like the creed, doesn't it? Like you know, just you look at all these different parts of scripture, and and you get this stuff, and and yeah, the the language of Revelation is really unique because uh, as as you're just saying, you got that Greek word um kratos, which um right. is is not really what you have everywhere else. The more typical word is is a dynamis and i apologize everyone for speaking so much greek in already the first 35 minutes but um it i, I don't do it well, all you the time, are you right? are you interpreting guys, you got... so you you, you, you know st paul <laughs> well, says if anybody right. speaks in tongues they should interpret so we, yeah, you are interpreting very good uh but but yeah no i mean so you, you do actually have that actually here so like the term that is picked up in the creed right um, you know, it's a different term compared to, yeah, the term that you have in the Gospels and a lot of like Paul's letters. But, um, you know, yeah, you actually have the term that's used in Revelation that seems to be the one that gets picked up and used um, in our creed that kind of like, you know, I don't know, that like kind of all powerful kind of um, sense. And, and speaking of that kind of all powerful thing, the, the idea that you have even in the creed, um, kind of interesting, right, that here, you have this, this. Um, I mean, and just besides the fact that you have, as you said, the word that actually gets used in the creed, the pantocrator, um, you have, this is this is so interesting. John says, right, um, that it is Jesus Christ who is and who was and who is to come, right? Right, um, right. Uh, yeah, so I mean, like, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess literally, right, he says, you know, from him who is, who was, who is to come, and from the seven spirits, and from Jesus Christ. And so in that sense, it kind of seems like it's like, okay, that, that's describing the Father, and then this is describing the Son, right? Like kind of almost Trinitarian here. But the thing is, we're going to get these words, this who was, who is, uh, who is to come, um, referring to Jesus unambiguously at different points in this letter. So the same language that gets used of God the Father um, is going to get used of Jesus, and that happens freely throughout Revelation. To your point about just testifying to the divinity of Christ, exactly. And even in in this chapter is the, where there is a uh, combination of the vision of Daniel seven. You know, you have the Ancient of Days, and of course, we're going to look at that in just a moment. But I mean, uh, so so it's even you know in pictured to us as well, right. Well, yeah, no, and, and then and then even in, in um, I mean, well, we, we can we can talk about it more, but like even in verse eight, like you you start already getting into like some of the ambiguities, right? When when it, when it says there, you know, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, like who's speaking, right? I mean, it's like, I mean, you know, if I had to if I had to pick, like I I, I might I might say God the Father still, right? But right. it's like right. it's it's not even really super clear, um, especially from the language. It's like, is that actually Jesus Christ like speaking? And anyways, we're we're gonna have a few moments like that, but it is just gonna be really interesting how um yeah, the the two are just tied together so intimately. Right. Uh, one one last thing, because we, we really have to look at the rest of the the chapter here beyond the introductions. Um, but last thing here, this term, it's just one of my favorite terms in all of the New Testament, the firstborn of the dead. Um, and then add the add-on, the ruler of kings on earth, right? This is, ah, man, what, what, a, what a way of describing the Lord Jesus. Like firstborn of the dead, that says so much about the idea of baptism uh, that, that Paul unpacks for us in his letters, right? Uh, but then also, right, ruler of kings on earth, right? Like, 
do not misinterpret the gospels and, and say like, oh, Jesus, like, you know, he has no interest in the kingdoms of, of this earth, you know, of this world, right? He's of a different world. Like, you know, it's a different spiritual thing, right? But it's like, no, yeah. he rules these kings on this earth right now. It's this life and this, uh, th this set of actions and circumstances that he is interested in and ruling over. And I mean, here it is, kings of the earth. Well, you know, if you look at the, you know, what he said to Pilate, you know, so you're a king then, he says, my kingdom or my, you know, my reign or my ruling is not of this world. And, and in a sense, it shows that he is over all of that. If it were from this right. world, he'd be just like any other, any other king on earth, but he, it is not of this world. It is of, uh, he is, it is of God. It is is of the uh, of of the transcendent one, the one that is that that goes above all of the powers of the world. That's well said, because he because his kingdom is not of in the sense of like from right this world. Yes. That means precisely that it's over and includes <laughs> all this world, right? I mean, in the same way yeah. that you know, you, you, no one would say that like, oh well, God is in, in charge of this world, right? Um, like, you know, God does his thing up there and he lets us do our thing down here. Like, that's not a Christian perspective. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, similarly, right. It's like if your if your kingdom is of heaven, well, that means it's including earth. Um, and that's and that's right. always the way it's thought of throughout Scripture. Well, and we, we speak of of uh, Christ having, uh, you know, Luther said he had a kingdom of the right hand and a kingdom of the left hand. Right, or or right. we'd say the three kingdoms, the kingdom of power, the kingdom of grace, and the kingdom of glory. So yep. in, in a sense, the kingdom of power includes the entire universe because God is the creator of the universe. And so mm -hmm. also he rules it by his divine power. Uh, the, the kingdom of grace is the church that is uh, ruled by his gospel, by the gospel of our Lord, who he reigns in his church through that. And then glory, of course, is what happens, you know, at the end when, when everything, when he turns over the kingdom to God the Father and it becomes the, the kingdom of glory is the, is the kingdom to come when all of it will of be well, set in order and, and, and right. concluded. Indeed. And um, if anyone is, is wondering, like, hang on, kingdom of power, kingdom of glory, kingdom of grace, what's all that about? Um, you know, I'll just recommend it. Um, CPH recently updated our explanation that we've included with the uh, with Luther's small catechism. So I think that was like published in 2017, I think already. I think it was like right. the tail end of that year. Um, but yeah, check that out. It, they updated it. I mean, it's it's still Luther's catechism, right? It's still the same catechism that he wrote. Um, but the explanation in the back, which unpacks some of that stuff in a very accessible way, um, it explains distinctions like that. So give that give that a look. Um, let's go ahead and keep pressing on now, though. Let, let's. So this is our our third <laughs> introduction and picking it up in verse nine here. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. 
All right. And uh, of course, you know, if you're looking uh, along in your own printed Bible, you, you may see that the red letters have already come, right? Which is, um, you know, interesting. But uh, before we get to that, um, so yeah, now here here's John um, introducing himself, right? Yet like the third time here, um, at, to your point about kind of like kind of the different kind of overlapping genres that are going on. But here, here we have the kind of the historical introduction, right? Like it's sort of right. like the put, putting him in his situation. And I mean, there's just so much, right? Like your brother and partner in the tribulation, the kingdom and the patient endurance. So um, he and the people he's been, he's writing to here, they've gone through stuff together. They've suffered together. Um, they've, they've been church together. Right. And, yes. and the kind of the, the big thing here is he says he's on the Island of Patmos. It says, on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Uh, so unpack that a little bit for us. Well, um, it is believed that this uh, was written during the time of the emperor Domitian, which was, um, you know, uh, like in the year nine, in, in, like in the, from 86 to 96, I think, um, yeah. in, in Rome. And he was, uh, there's, there's different, uh, view, some people believe that it might have been during Nero's reign, uh, which was before 69 eight, or 68 AD. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the case of Domitian, he he was a uh, he was a madman, just like a number of these folks, uh, mm-hmm. and he wanted to, insisted on himself being called Lord and God. Uh, right. And uh, it, it probably about this time, or maybe just a little after, they started to institute a practice where you needed to burn incense to the emperor as a god. Uh, you know, it, it, and in this particular case, it's it's and and so this was like a persecution that was going on, and and uh, John was. Uh, uh, exiled to the island of Patmos. He he probably was uh, like a pastor for all those seven churches in the pro- in the province of Asia, which is like uh, Western Turkey. Um, in, in in among the Greeks, it was what Ion- the Ionic Greek uh, lands, and uh, right. there's sort of like a circuit that he would go through. And then, but now he's kind of kind of exiled. He's sort of like. Um, being persecuted and placed on this small island of Patmos, which is off the coast of, of, of where Ephesus is. Right. Well, and, and so, right. And uh, that is, that is the tradition. Um, as you said, there's different ways of interpreting maybe like what, ex- what the exact timing of the persecution that he fell under, whether that was a little bit later, or a little bit earlier, but the idea that when he says on account of right account of the word of God, it's like, well, uh, because he's suffering for the word of God and because he's suffering for giving uh, testimony to Jesus, right? Um, that that's the right. stuff that landed him in exile. And that's not like said that explicitly, but there's, uh, it goes back to a pretty early tradition, um, including to the people who personally knew um, John, you know, think of like, you know, Polycarp and things like that, who, you know, actually like, you know, knew him face to face and learned from him. Um, so it's quite, quite reliable, really. Um, what, what's striking, though, here he is in, in exile, right? And it says here, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, which, okay, just, just uh, unpack that just a little bit here. And then we probably need to press on. But like, there's two, I mean, there's two things there, right? What exactly is on, I was in the spirit mean, right? And then uh, on the Lord's day is a very interesting way of talking. And yet maybe it's not so um, unusual for us. What do you think? Well, yeah, uh, in the spirit would mean that uh, the the Holy Spirit was 
um, influencing him, especially for the purpose of of what uh, the Lord had wanted him to do here, the Lord Jesus wanted him to do in, in terms of, of it, you know, conveying a message uh, to, you know, a lot of, a lot of people might say, well, does that mean he was, uh, you know, just ecstatic or, you know, like in, in a, in a trance or, uh, well, whatever the spirit would, would, uh, you know, induce, uh, but in accordance with uh, the, the order of God and in, in, in accordance with, uh, conveying something a revelation to God's people. So it's in other words he's under the influence by the Holy Spirit of for the purpose of doing this. And then the Lord's day of course is is how Jesus got us to worship on Sunday. He appeared uh on Easter Sunday evening and then the the week after and and he uh you know and, and always the anticipation of uh the Lord's day or on Sunday is is for his being present among us as the risen one and and uh like in in the lord's in the divine service every sunday we 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 uh, anticipate his his uh revealing him himself to us in the breaking of the bread and so and and so that's kind of like a beautiful way in which the early church has has in their freedom in christ has chosen uh sunday as the day the special day to gather for for worship right. Yeah, and it's really cool that you just you see this stuff just early on, like you know, just really, really early that the church has you know been doing this. And as you said, like it's freedom. It's not as if you know God said like you know like you you have to do this on Sundays. Like you you can't do it like you know on Saturday or you, you can't do it on you know Wednesdays or something like that, right? Um, but well, the church, like Rome, for, you know, th- this was the whole thing with the Lutheran Reformation. Uh, Rome said, well, we, we have changed one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, they said it was Saturday. Now, we, as the, uh, you know, the Bishop of Rome, the, the um, Vicar of Jesus Christ, say that it is uh, Sunday. We have the power to change the Ten Commandments. And Luther, the Lutheran said, no, we, we're, it's just showing our freedom under Christ. That that yeah. you know, it's in fact uh, the Lord wants us to worship every day. <laughs> well, no, yeah, no, yeah, of course, right. Well, well, yeah, and it, well, and, and our freedom though too, though, right? I mean, there's a balance, right? Because I think that sometimes people take the Lutherans' words there and go a little bit too far with it, as if like you know, every man for himself decide like what you want to do. But like right. the, the the thrust of Revelation is by no means individualistic, right? I mean, it's right, so, exactly. I mean, how does, exactly. how does John introduce himself? Your brother, partner, right? I mean, it's, we make these decisions in freedom, but it's like in freedom tied and bound to one another, right? As, as Christ himself made himself a servant and a slave even, right? To exactly. his brothers. So, I mean, yeah, the, the church has freely chosen Sunday, right? You see this this testimony to it even here. The the phrase the Lord's Day, maybe that sounds a little bit unfamiliar to a lot of English speakers, but I mean, uh, if you're, for instance, familiar with any Spanish, like the normal way of talking about Sunday, right, is domingo, domingo, yes. and like if that sounds maybe a little bit familiar, it it's because it is. It, you can hear that that part that kind of sounds like. Um, you know, like uh, Dominico or, or Domino, right? Or Dominicus, right? right? Like exactly. Lord, Lord's Day, right? So you have actually here, like on the Lord's Day, on Sunday is literally what it says. Exactly. Um, you know, so so what, exactly what, what, you know, what kind of influence of the Spirit, you know, he's like, you know, like this means he's having a vision, right? 
like there's a vision in his spirit, right? Or it's like he has um, even like it's an out of body experience or something like that. Like that's we we don't know exactly what that means. Like right. whatever the exactly. spirit was doing, the spirit was doing. But we do know it was on Sunday, <laughs> which is just yep. speaking to again the worship stuff, right? Like why why does everything sound like worship, right? Because it was like probably not even just on on Sunday, but it was like probably probably in worship on Sunday. Um, right. is, I think the implication of everything when you kind of add it all up, which is really just something, because I mean, that gets to that idea, like that when we say that proper preface, right. And, you know, and we say, you know, therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, right. Like, you know, the angels in heaven are celebrating with us in our worship on Sunday. And so striking that he's doing this, even when he's often exiled off on Patmos, even when we are, you know, exiled to our own houses under stay-at-home orders, right? I mean, right. like that. Not, not to say that we shouldn't, of course, you know, uh, you know, long and and strive in whatever you know way, ways that we can um, to be together uh, physically, right? But that we are all together, right? Like in in the power of the word and the spirit, right? So I mean, that is just very, very, very striking. But so much more could be said. But let's just read the rest of the chapter here because we gotta we gotta look at the vision that he has, right? Right. So now he's that. he's he's in this vision, right? He is he is you know he was in church on on Sunday, however many people that was with him in exile in Patmos, maybe maybe not very many, right? Maybe right. just uh you know just uh, maybe even less than ten, right? <laughs> but so right. here's 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 verse twelve onward. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Okay. So a lot going on, and we're going to have some time to talk about the seven churches and the seven golden lampstands in the next uh, episode when we talk about chapter two and, and the next couple chapters after that even. But just the vision, right? The thing that it reminds you most of, perhaps, I mean, there's a few things. Um, you already mentioned Daniel. I mean, there is a, that, you know, one like a son of man, right? Um, and right. so yeah, you have that, like who approaches the ancient days. So you already got something like Daniel. The thing that strikes me is this is a lot like the transfiguration where, you know, the disciples, right. they see Jesus in all his glory, that, you know, that white, that, as, as you were mentioning, right, like whiter than anyone could, you know, bleach, right? Um, right. And what, what happens, right? They all fall down, like, as though dead, you know, in fear. But then what, what is, I mean, this is what Matthew says. 
that Jesus goes up to the disciples and he touches them and he says, fear not. Right. I mean, it's, it's right. just like what Matthew says happened in the trans, uh, transfiguration. So John says it too, right? Like there's Jesus in all his glory, but then he, he lays his right hand on me, it says, and says, fear not. And notice, and notice too, that Jesus does not rebuke John for worshiping him. Uh, the angel, the angel later in Revelation, uh, John will yeah. fall before the angel and the angel says, don't do that. You know, and so in this particular case, Jesus receives his worship, and so that's right. that's quite significant here. It, it it is, and and he not only receives the worship right, but he goes on right. He's like, you know, fear not, um, you know, which is something that like <laughs> as scary and powerful as he is, right? You know, like we were saying, you know, Pantocrator, right? Like you know, all Almighty, all powerful. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid somehow, right? Which sounds outrageous. Right. Why would you not be afraid of this guy? I mean, yeah. if you're gonna be afraid of anything, be afraid of him, right? You know, yes. fear, love, and trust in God above all things, um, and yet because He is for us, right? Um, and the, the the description, the first and the last, which of course echoes the Alpha and Omega language we just had earlier, right? So here's one of the first very explicit like equations, so to speak, between God the Father and the Son here, right? Um, I, I'm the first and the last, Alpha and Omega. You got that connection, so it's like. You've got God, who's described as the first and the last Alpha and Omega, because he's the creator, right? right. Um, he's the one towards whom everything is directed in its being. But that connection is made in the sense of Jesus being the first fruits from the dead and being the ultimate destination, the resurrection for us all. So you got this intimate connection here between the resurrected Christ and the God and creator of all creation. Um, just th- 30 seconds left here, but kind of just taking that thought and um, wrapping this up for us here, brother. Yeah, and it adds to, you know, in the course of the book, it says the beginning and the ending. So, you know, and, and it, it re- there's a lot of uh, uh, Hebrews in here, you know, where he is the author yeah. and perfecter of our faith. And he's our, he's, he's our Lord A to Z, and he is the one who has provided all things for us for our eternal joy and comfort in, in eternity. Right. Amen. Fear not, because I am the resurrection and the life, he may as well have said. Thank you so much, brother. Good having you yeah. on. God's peace be with you and blessings on this Lenten too. tide. Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor David Boyce, Claire, pastor of faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Moving on to Revelation chapter 2. So excited to be in this book. Join us for this. You can look at all the old episodes for the apocalyptic stuff on the podcast. Till next time, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.